the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go-to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high-profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. on hump day you got through the first three days two more days to go here in new york city 111 broadway wall street and broad the financial capital of the planet earth and um you know it's it's the weather's getting a little warmer it was a lot better than yesterday and it's on the rise now all you folks down in florida we're preparing for you snowbirds to come back here to the city. Uh, I think we're going to get temperatures up into the 60s. But, you know, we're not we're not fully ready for New York City's not back in prime time on a lot of levels. And one of them that, uh, you know, we continue to address address because it has to be addressed is crime. And, uh, you know, my office, my law office in Midtown Manhattan is on 45th and 5th. And, you know, I'm, I'm reading the paper today. And uh, I'm following all of these stories, and there's just too much crime happening at the wrong times of day. So a guy by Madison Square Garden, he goes into McDonald's at 7.45 in the morning. Like, that's a normal time to go to work. People have to be at work at 8 o'clock, right? So you stop at the deli, you stop at McDonald's, wherever it is. You get your breakfast, and you go to work. They beat the heck out of this guy. They beat him so badly um, I mean, if you see the picture in the papers, he's got stitches on his face. They broke his nose. Fifty-two-year-old uh, guy, fifty-three-year-old guy. I mean, he's a year younger than I am, and you can't help but look at it and say, "But there, before the grace of God, go I." Uh, and you know, he's helping, calling for help, and people are just standing there watching. And I'm not, you know, faulting on anyone. I don't know if I would be a superhero if I was there. I probably would be thinking of my four-four-month-old daughter and be like, "All right." You know, dial 911 and step aside. Or maybe if I wanted to be a superhero, I would hold the door and keep them locked in there because the average response time for NYPD in that area is like two minutes, maybe less. Um, You know, then another story. They just caught a a 53-year-old man, uh, of course, so sadly, I should say, it was a homeless guy. And um, I'm sorry, a 38-year-old, and he killed a 51-year-old. That's just, um, again... Not in the middle of the night. There's too many people who are committing crimes now in the middle of the day. You you think, oh, that happened at night or that happened in a bad neighborhood. Uh, Look at the poor guys in the pizzeria, the father and son in Elmhurst, Queen. Elmhurst isn't a bad neighborhood. It's where, you know, a lot of middle class folks live and um, folks like me, to be honest with you. And uh, the father, son pizzeria, they're going to get robbed. And, you know, they fought. And now they're, they're both, I know the dad is in bad shape. 
looks like they're going to live, which is a great thing. Uh, so then it's like, okay, so everyone comes down on, on Mayor Adams, Mayor Adams, Mayor Adams. So he says, he gets the, the police commissioner and goes, look, we're going to go back to what work. And we're going go to go um, back to the broken windows, which means we're arresting people for even the smallest violations. And, and when I have an opportunity to speak to the mayor, um, which will be in the near future, um, but it's not even, I mean, I don't think he's going to pick up the phone and call the commissioner. You got to stop with jump of the sub, jump of the turnstile. That's my opinion. If you, if you just let people, I couldn't tell you yesterday when I was riding the subways how many people just jumped the turnstile, but like with reckless abandon. In other words, they're not even looking. You know, I, when we were kids, you would see people jump the turnstile, but they look. They like make sure there's no cops around. They just hop the turnstile the way I put my iPhone on now and walk right through. It starts. It's a. It's an aura. It's an aura of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And I'll give you a perfect example. In my law office, I insist that everyone dresses like a lawyer. So everyone is in a suit and a tie and a jacket and a tie from the oldest member of the firm who's in his 80s to the youngest person who they're in their 20s. And the young ladies have to dress appropriately because it sets a tone. Now, you're going to say, oh, I'm old-fashioned. I'm not really that old-fashioned for 54 years old. I'm a 54-year-old who's got a four-month-old, uh, which wasn't typically the case back in the day. So um, if you allow certain crimes to take place, look, the whole marijuana thing, whether you agree with it or disagree with it, people walking down the street smoking a joint everywhere you go. I mean, you cannot go anywhere in Manhattan without smoking weed. I mean, any every block there's weed, but at least now, allegedly, whatever, not allegedly, and now it's legal. So at least they're not standing there breaking the law. I am not down as someone who is a criminal defense attorney now, as someone who was a prosecutor, as someone who's got best friends who are judges. I am not down with having laws on the books that we're deciding we're not going to enforce. You want to know where to start? That's where to start enforcing all the laws. Now, now Eric Adams says that we're going to go to broken windows the way Rudy Giuliani did and, and Bill Bratton did 30 years ago almost, or maybe almost exactly 30, no, just less than 30, 28 years ago. Ready? Here's what the statement is from the Legal Aid, Aid Society. Broken windows leads to broken trust of the police in minority communities, the Legal Aid Society says, citing new data showing 91% of typical quality of life arrests last year were of black and Latino suspects. Okay, so if you want to play this out, okay, send a massive force of police into Garrison Beach, into Riverdale in the Bronx, into Bay Ridge in Brooklyn, uh, and the Upper East Side, and let's see how many arrests they make. Now, let's say they're there for two weeks and they only make a few arrests. Okay, now send them into Brownsville and East New York, and maybe the East Village, and Inwood, and, and and different areas of the Bronx, and see how many arrests they make there. And, and then, come, now, now they're wearing body cameras, the police officers. So is it, they're only arresting, is it 91% of black and Latinos because the police are only in those, are only in those neighborhoods? Or is it because... When they're in the 6-8 precinct in Brooklyn or the 7-2 precinct in Brooklyn or, or Midtown North, that they're, they're 
train the same way. They're supposed to be making the same arrests, but nobody are committing those crimes. So if you want to play it out, if you want to be fair, then just let's let's run with it. Let's have the cops with the exact same uh, orders to do this. You, you see someone breaking any law whatsoever, graffiti, turnstile jumping, uh, petty larceny, stealing a candy bar, stealing a hot dog from the hot dog stand. Send them, send them out into the neighborhoods where right now statistically the crimes are really low and statistically where the crimes are really high. They have the body cameras on. See what takes place and then let's do an analysis. If that's what you want to do to make sure that the law is being enforced fairly uh, based on race. Everybody, everybody wants the city to be safe. African, the African-American community, the Chinese community, the, the Hispanic community, these are all hardworking people. These are the people that make the city run. And then there's just this little, little fraction of them that soils it for them. It's the same exact thing for years with the Italian-American community, right? As Joe Piscopo says, 99.9% of Italian-Americans came over here and they were bricklayers. They built the railroads. They built, they dug the holes for the subways. They built the skyscrapers. And then there was that, that little percentage where at the time, that little percentage who were not law-abiding, they were pushing back against police officers and law enforcement officers that were also not law-abiding. You ever hear of Frank Serpico? You know who he was? He was the uh, the police officer who infiltrated uh, on behalf of the Internal Revenue, uh, Internal Revenue, Internal Bureau of Investigation, the NYPD, and found out all the cops who were taking money back in the 70s. There's a beautiful movie about Frank Serpico. I believe he just died. So, yes, there was that aspect of the Italian-American community that soiled it for the rest. And yes, there is an aspect of the African-American community and the Hispanic community and all communities that soil it for the rest. But Mayor Adams and the police commissioner, they want to come down hard on all crimes. And being on the subway yesterday when I'm taking out my wallet for my Metro Corridor, I'm taking out my phone to, to get through, and then some kid right behind me just puts his two hands up and hops right over. That is a, that sets a really bad tone and a really bad vibe. So we can't all run to Florida. Okay, that's not the answer. You want to go there because you enjoy it. You like to go on your boat. You take your boat to your restaurants. You see your friends. All your friends have, have gone down there and you're having a good time. You're at a point in your life that you deserve that. That's wonderful. We love that and we enjoy that. Maybe in a couple of weeks, Marion and I and the kids will go. Luca and I went. But you don't, you don't run away from a fight, right? What, what were you taught back in the day, in the 70s? You go to the bully and even though you may get your butt kicked, you get one good shot in. Well, we got to get that one good shot in in New York and get and take our city back. Because as great as Florida is and Arizona is and California is, all Texas, you put them all together, it all is about New York. New York, New York. Frank Sinatra's song, it's not about Florida, it's not about California, it's about New York, New York. And we will succeed. We will prevail because we have something special as New Yorkers. We have heart. When we come back, we're going to have Dr. Lawrence Haynes talking about the sad, the sad news today about uh, Bruce Willis, the actor. We'll be right back. Smash 
So let's talk about taking care of New Yorkers. And let's talk about that when we were teenagers and, and fighting in the schoolyard. I was over at PS 185 on 86th Street and uh, Ridge Boulevard with Chris Boyle and Chris Glenn and Kenny Munch and doing our thing in the schoolyard. Lawrence Johnson, Zachary Hazard. We thought we were invincible because you know what? We were invincible. We were 10, 11, 12, 13 when kids used to play in the schoolyard. Yes, Luca. Luca's in the studio with me. Do you understand? Kids, we didn't have phones. We used to go in the schoolyard, and that's where we used to play. Does, does that concept, do you understand that? Yes. Okay. Have you ever played in the schoolyard? Um, not really. Right, not really. You're 15 years old. I lived in the schoolyard. You know what Grammy used to say? I wish there was a phone booth in the schoolyard because there were no cell phones, Luca. You understand that? There was no cell phone. Grammy didn't know where I was. I'd come home from school. I'd eat a snack, and I'd, I'd run out. I'd be like, I'll be home later. Unlike you, I didn't sit and do my homework. So we thought we were invincible, but we're not. And as we get older, we get actually less and less invincible. So that's why you have to be smart and go see Connors and Sullivan to set things up so when you're not healthy, everything is on, everything is in order. You should go see them about putting in an effect, a power of attorney, a power of attorney, a healthcare proxy, a will, a living will, all of those documents that Mike Connors will set up for you. And he'll sit down with you. He'll ask you to explain your finances. He'll ask you to explain your wishes, who your family is, what you want to see done with it. And they will lay out a plan that works for you. Connors and Sullivan, attorneys at law, they've been doing this for 40 years. They've helped hundreds and thousands of people now. They'll help you make a plan that protects you best. You'll designate who you want to make decisions for you. For a free in-person consultation with a lawyer, call 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored in part by the good people at Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey. America's been thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Drive one today at Freehold Mitsubishi for the best selection and outstanding customer service. Just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. Fabian! 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 Come on, baby. Come on. Get your shit. We got to go right now. I was so worried. What about our bags? The bags. If you don't split right now, we're going to miss the train. Come on. I'll be downstairs. Is, is everything well? Just come on. No talking now. Uh, are we in danger? Come on, honey. Where did you get this motorcycle? It's not a motorcycle, baby. It's a chopper. Come on. Let's go. What happened to my Honda? I'm sorry, baby. I had to crash that Honda. Will you come on now, please? Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. You hurt? No, no. I, I might have broken my nose. It's no biggie. Come on. Hop on. But, uh, baby, please. We, Honey, we got a hick and roll. Get on. Oh, I'm sorry. Come here. Come here. I'm sorry. Mm. So sorry. You were gone so long, I started to think dreadful thoughts. Oh, I'm sorry, sweetie. I didn't mean to worry. Everything's fine. How was your breakfast? It was good. Did you get the pancakes? The no, blueberry no, pancakes? I didn't have blueberry pancakes. I had to get buttermilk. Oh, Are you sure no. you're okay? Honey, since I left you, this has been without a doubt the single weirdest day of my life. Come on, hop on. I'll tell you all about it. Come on, get on. 
Gotta go, gotta go, come on. Whose motorcycle is this? It's a chopper, baby. Whose chopper is this? Zed's. Who's Zed? Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. That is the voice of the great Bruce Willis, and that is from Pulp Fiction, one of my favorite, favorite movies. I, it's an unbelievable movie. Uh, the cast of the stars of Pulp Fiction, uh, John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson and Uma Thurman, they were actually the presenters to Will Smith of his uh, Best uh, Actor the other night award. Um, uh, Walter Bruce Willis is his name. March 19th, 1955. He was actually born in Germany. Uh, he's been in, I think it's 60 or 70 movies. He started off in television uh, in the uh, drama series Moonlighting. He's won uh, several awards, a Golden Globe, two Primetime Emmy Awards, two People Choice, People's Choice Awards. Uh, he really busted out into the scene in the movie um, Die Hard, which is, still goes down as a Christmas classic. It's an, a, the whole, um, I think there were three or four altogether Die Hard movies, four movies from 88 to 2013. Uh, but I mean, listen to the titles of these movies. The Last Boy Scout, Pulp Fiction, Twelve Monkeys, Last Man Standing, The Fifth Element, Armageddon, The Sixth Sensed, Heart's War, uh, Hostage, uh, all right, there's a couple of these. Uh, Motherless Brooklyn, which I've never seen, but it's got the name Brooklyn in it, so it's got to be great. So we got some, uh, it broke out on all the airwaves today, and everyone's uh, phone got a little alert that uh, Bruce Willis um, is, um, he's sick. And uh, it's interesting, I had my buddy Eric Gonsamamos in the office with me when I saw this, and I was like, I don't even know what this disease is. I don't even know how to say it. And uh, Eric goes, you better get a doctor on so, of course, I reached out to my doctor. Uh, not that he's really like my doctor. He's not checking me out. I don't want my brother-in-law like seeing my privates or anything like that. But Dr. Lawrence Haynes, are you on the line, bro? I am. How are you doing, Arthur? Good. So I didn't even try to pronounce uh, what's going on with Bruce Willis. But uh, there was a, um, you know, there was an announcement today that, that he's all done uh, with his acting career. Um, just fill us in, Lawrence. Tell us about this disease and what it's about and the symptoms and the and if there's any cure. And, and first we could start off with what's the name of it and how do you pronounce it? Yeah, so um, thanks for having me on the show. And the, the name of the, the disease, it's actually not a disease. It's a symptom, actually. Aphasia, which literally means can't talk. Okay. And it's, it's a little frustrating for me when I, when I read the papers, the tabloids, et cetera. It just says he has aphasia, but it doesn't really give me a reason why he's not able to talk. And as a doctor, I want to know the reason because aphasia is like saying he has chest pain or he has a runny nose. I want to know the reason behind his inability to speak. Um, and there are, there are a lot of common reasons. The most common reason I see in the ER is someone having a stroke or somebody who has a serious head trauma. Um, but other things can do it too, like a tumor in the brain or uh, <clears throat> a neurodegenerative disorder like Alzheimer's. Or there's a, a well, that's what I, I was actually, the two things I thought of was, because I did a little research on this, um, mm -hmm. was, you know, he's done all these action movies. And I know usually they have body doubles, but sometimes, you know, stunt doubles. Sometimes they do things, whether, you know, he whacked his head or on the flip side, is, is it the beginning of an Alzheimer's uh, you know, disease or a, a type of disease. Yeah, if I had to speculate, it's probably not a stroke, because if he had a stroke, they would say he had a stroke. It's probably not a tumor, because then they would say, oh, he has cancer. 
And obviously, it wasn't traumatically injured that we know about. I mean, it could be chronic traumatic encephalopathy, that, that brain disease that um, football players get from constantly hitting their head. But he wasn't really in that type of profession. So I, I have to assume that it's some sort of neurodegenerative disorder that's been going on for a long time and just progressing slowly. So is it like like a type of Alzheimer's when you say a neurodegenerative disorder? It's like something that comes yeah, on I mean, slowly, it builds up? Yeah, exactly. Alzheimer's is one type. There are many, many different types, uh, you know, maybe even hundreds of types. I couldn't even begin to list them all off uh, possibilities, but it's, it's one of those. And he's probably under the, the uh, care of a, a neurologist who has probably done the appropriate imaging, MRI. EEGs and things like that to try to figure out what is going on with his brain. So what they said uh, on the sets of his last, I think, three movies, he couldn't remember any of his lines. So they put an earpiece in and somebody was telling him the lines uh, as he was saying them. And it got so bad, Lawrence, that uh, he was only on set for a whole mo- or an entire filming of a movie for like three days. Uh, it got so bad that they had to move the locations of where they were filming movies as close to his po- his house as possible. So I obviously you're correct, uh, Dr. Lawrence Haynes, when you say that this is something that has been kind of working up slowly and it's not like a light switch, like a heart attack or a stroke or something like that. That's that has an immediate effect. Yeah. Can you imagine how frustrating it is for him? Someone who's built his life on his ability to speak not being able to speak, it must be incredibly frustrating. Well, Dr. Haynes, I think you know what I do for a living. Um, I actually right, have, exactly. I, got, I got Lloyd's of London to insure my tongue. So it's like insure my... <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that is not true. You know, Dr. Lawrence, well, well, let me ask you one more question. Is there a cure? Is there a therapy? Does it get better? Or is it like Alzheimer's and like the best case scenario is it just slows down a little bit? Yeah, most of those neurodegenerative diseases we don't have a cure for. It just progressively gets worse over time, and you know you can do therapy to try to slow it down, but it doesn't. It, you can't really stop it. Sometimes, if, you, if it's from a stroke, you can reverse those effects with therapy if it's an acute stroke. But that doesn't sound like it's what's going on with with Mr. Willis. Well, I, I I'm a big fan, and Lawrence, I know Doctor. I gotta I gotta so people know who you are, Doctor Haynes. Um, I you know I know you're a big movie guy. What, what's your favorite Bruce Willis movie? I I declared earlier mine is by I far mean, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction is probably my favorite movie that he was in, but my favorite role of his was the original Die Hard. Yeah, John McClane. I mean, he was John McClane. Uh, he was he was, he was the that, every man. He was he was the every man, and everybody identified with him. And he, you know, he didn't have like stunningly good looks. He was a little bit balding. Uh, easy, like, easy with shred. the balding remarks. All right, Harry, Doctor Haynes. Okay, <laughs> slow down, there, buddy. Um, the uh, the fa- the scene from that though that I always remember is him crawling through the air duct. And he's mimicking his ex-wife or separated wife. He's like, oh, come out to the coast. We'll have a good time. We'll celebrate Christmas. I mean, he's <laughs> he's brilliant. Let, uh, let me, um, yeah. while I have your brain and your mouth on the line here, let's talk about uh, the coronavirus and COVID a little bit because it is all over the front of the newspapers uh, that the numbers here in New York are, are going up and more in central New York, not the city. I guess probably in areas where there's less, less vaccination. Um, that um, there there has been approval for a second booster shot, so a fourth shot altogether for those uh, those of us in my category, unlike yours, over fifty years old or or um, you know the compromised. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, you're in the you're in the uh, emergency room in the heart of Brooklyn, New York, surrounded by like four different areas with four different um, uh, ethnic groups. You know, from the front lines, Dr. Lawrence Haynes, what are you seeing right now with COVID? COVID right now for the people here in New York City is is kind of a nuisance. Um, you know, people are getting sick. Obviously, it's going up a little bit. Um, but it's really like a cold for those people that have had it before or that, that are vaccinated. So it's a nuisance in that you have to, you know, quarantine and you can't travel. And, um, so should, should we, uh, Lawrence, should we have to quarantine? In other words, if it's just a nuisance, uh, you know, everyone who gets a cold doesn't quarantine. Everyone who gets the flu doesn't quarantine. I, everyone who's got warts and can pass them on to someone else doesn't quarantine. So, you know, if, if it is a nuisance, should people be missing work? Should people be health care, child care? I mean, the whole world, how it gets affected? Is it, does well, it make the sense? Reason, the only reason why we would react to it the way we had been before is to protect those people that are completely unprotected. They have not had the, um, the intelligence, frankly, to go out and get vaccinated. Okay. Uh, I, uh, so it's, it's really to protect those people. But you're right. I, I would love to, to be in a world where... It's like the common cold. It's like the flu. We don't even think about it anymore. We don't even test for it anymore. But um, we're not quite there yet because there's still some people that are immunocompromised, that are older, that didn't get vaccinated, that we have to try to protect. So taking advantage of your time right now, you just returned from Florida. Uh, you know, what, tell me what the differences are in, you know, a lot of people haven't traveled a lot because of the coronavirus. What's the vibe like in, in you in South Florida and Southern Florida versus, you know, in the heart of New York City in Brooklyn, New York, where you, I mean, you live in Manhattan, you, you work in Brooklyn. I mean, you're, even though you're not a native New Yorker, you're, you're, you've become a real New Yorker. Uh, well, you know, what's the difference between Florida and New York right now? It's pretty stunning, actually. In Florida, it's like the virus doesn't exist at all. The only people that are wearing masks are those people that have to, that are in um, jobs where their bosses tell them they have to wear a mask during their work. So uh, people in restaurants, people in the airport. Other than that, everybody is mask-free. And, and, and it's starting to get that way too here. I've noticed um, since schools took away the mask mandate, people have really been uh, taking their masks off, I think. And what are your thoughts here. about that? I mean, I, I think it's uh, I think it's time. I, I told you before when I was on your show, I think it's time for the kids to take off their masks because it's, a very mild disease for kids, and it's time for all of us to, to try to return to normal as much as we can, bearing in mind that there are some people around us that are unvaccinated and could potentially get really sick from this disease. Off the top of your head, statistically speaking, did Florida bear uh, better, fare better or worse than the state of Florida versus the state of New York uh, handling the coronavirus at all? Was it similar, different? <clears throat> You mean number of cases, number of deaths, et cetera? Correct. New York definitely had a worse time with the coronavirus. And I, I don't necessarily think that's because of government policy. I think it's just the very nature of the density that, that in which all New Yorkers live in. We basically live literally on top of each other. And in New York, in Florida, it's everything spread out. In New York, we walk on the streets, we ride public transit. In New York, everybody gets in their separate little cages, their cars and drive separately. So it's, I think it's just the environment in which people live. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you got it here on the Idola Power Hour. You had the great Dr. Lawrence Haynes married to the incredibly great Dr. Christine Bertuna Haynes. 
Um, they happen to be my family, but um, they happen to be so well-respected and so just wonderful caregivers. And uh, I am blessed to have them uh, to, to call my family. So, uh, Dr. Lawrence, I'm sitting here with Luca Joseph Idala, who sends his warm regards and hopes he sees you soon, uh, even though he's taller than you now, doctor. Um, and thanks, uh, well, man. Yeah, Arthur, uh, we're blessed to have you and uh, and Luca in our family, and um, thanks for having me on. All right, hey, brother. <laughs> Luca says hello. He's waving to you. Thanks, Lawrence. Get back to uh, doing God's work. We'll talk to you real soon. Taking care of my kids. Thanks, but well, Good that's day. God's work. All right, I'll see you in a little bit. Bye bye. Bye. Well, since uh, I'm always announcing this show as the quintessential New Yorker, I might as well tell you that my quintessential favorite building in New York is the Empire State Building. Um, I, I just I grew up loving it. Maybe it was because of my love for the movie King Kong. Uh, but a bank that we've all come to know on the Idola Power Hour is the Empire State Bank. And I, you know, I know the president, and you know, he knows that I know just a few lawyers in the city of New York. So they have designed an attorney advantage banking program that specializes in helping law firms. Empire State Bank has an IOLA escrow account management. It's a program that is built for attorneys and law firms with the because we all have the fiduciary responsibility of managing our clients' funds. The lawyer winds up having one master checking account with unlimited sub-accounts for each client, allowing you to keep client funds, sep- client funds separate from your own, which is a necessity. You can allocate al- uh, account interest, generate reports, disperse funds, generate year-end tax preparation, and the funds are safe because at Empire State Bank, they give you FDIC insurance greater than 250000 which is what's offered at other banks. Open an IOLA checking account and take your law firm to the next level with attorney advantage banking exclusively at Empire State Bank. With locations in Brooklyn, Staten Island, and Queens, call Empire State Bank today at 833-393-7700, 833-393-7700, or visit ESBNA.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Listen this Saturday, 9 a.m. to noon for the Eye on Real Estate with Dottie Herman Springtime Special. Right now, email your questions about real estate to Dottie at DottieHerman.com. And listen this Saturday morning to hear the answer on The Answer. That's Dottie at DottieHerman.com. Serving part-time in the Army National Guard has led to a lot of firsts for me. It paid for me to be the first person in my family to go to school. That education got me to the first day at my dream job, which I can still hold while I serve part-time. That job and the home loan benefits I got from the Army National Guard helped me buy my first house. I also know that I will be one of the first to respond if my community ever needs me. Sponsored by the New York Army National Guard. Aired by the New York State Broadcasters Association and this station. Smoke Signals Radio, your answer to everything you and all smokers need to know about stopping tobacco with smoking cessation expert Matthew Bars. Matt has a quit rate of 70% and you can quit too. Smoke Signals, every Saturday at noon on AM 970, The Answer. 
Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Mitsubishi dreamers, designers, and engineers are redefining choices in mobility for a whole new generation of independent, modern, and savvy consumers who want value. Like the new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander featuring its industry-leading Mitsubishi 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today, freeholdmitsubishi.com, or call 732-863-2788. News. Opinion. Passion. This is AM 970. The Answer. 43 degrees amidst of sun and clouds on this Wednesday evening. What's going on? We have the answer. Well, not many homeless on New York City streets are accepting help following the city's first phase of dismantling homeless encampments. Let's get more from Scott Pringle. Nearly all of 244 homeless encampment sites identified by city officials have been taken down and cleaned up. However, Mayor Eric Adams admits only five accepted city services. He says the same thing, though, happened in the subway system. Not many homeless accepted help in the first week, but over time, hundreds have. And he thinks the same thing will happen with the homeless on the streets. As these encampments attempt to reopen, we're going to immediately go there and respond. Adam says volunteers will keep talking with the homeless to try and convince them to use safe haven beds. Scott Pringle, NBC News Radio, New York. New Jersey farmers are worried about freezing temperatures hurting their crops. Sarah Lee Kessler has more. It's sad to see this early in the season that we're losing fruit already. We're talking about sub-freezing temps over the past few nights after unseasonable warmer temps caused many fruit crops to bloom early. Ronald Thomas owns peach orchards at Sunny Slope Farm in Hopewell Township. There's definitely damage here. Now it cannot produce a peach. The peach is frozen. The New Jersey Agriculture Department is making it easier for farmers to try to protect their crops by allowing controlled open burning or use of special torches through April 5th. Sarah Lee Kessler, NBC News Radio, New Jersey. Thank you, Sarah Lee. Taking a look at the traffic, 20 to 30 minutes outbound at the Holland Tunnel, 5 to 10 on the city-bound side. 15 minutes outbound at the Lincoln Tunnel, 5 on the city-bound side. George Washington Bridge, about a 5 to 10-minute delay for the inbound upper level. Cloudy skies tonight, chance of a shower, overnight low 43. Clouds tomorrow with rain and thunderstorms likely in the afternoon tomorrow. We'll touch 70 degrees in the afternoon. And now you know what's going on. I am Mike Barker on AM 970, The Answer. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. So I was lucky enough today to spend about an hour with Megan Kelly um, on her show. She's on Sirius. She has her own podcast. She's got a video program. And I'll just tell you the three topics that um, that we hit on with her was um, obviously Will Smith, which we're talking about in one second. Um, then Hunter Biden, which we can talk about that as well. And then United States Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. We had um, Professor Alan Dershowitz on yesterday, and you know he said that that uh, the Supreme Court justice should definitely recuse himself from the cases that have any initia of uh, the appearance of impropriety because of Justice Thomas's wife's uh, text messages to the chief of staff, um, where she was urging him to uh, try to overthrow the election, and uh, you know in. in Stoke the flames about January 6th, I think before January 6th happened. So I'm on with Megan, and I said, I referred to Justice Scalia, 
as we spoke about yesterday and what Justice Scalia did when he was faced with a conflict between him deciding a case about um, Vice President Dick Cheney, whom he had gone um, hunting with, but with a group of people. And what Justice Scalia did was he wrote a 21-page opinion. Not really, it's not called an opinion because it wasn't a case. He wrote a 21-page memorandum about why he was not going to recuse himself. And I said this to Megan, and Megan's like, no, he doesn't need to do that. And I think the justice could sit there and decide the case without saying anything. And I said I thought it was, at the very least, courteous to the American citizens to tell us why he was confident that his judgment was not clouded by his wife's uh, feelings. And we were going back and forth, and I said, Megan, there is a uh, some text messages where she refers to her best friend and says that her best friend agrees with her. In the Washington circles, people who know Justice Thomas and his wife know that they refer to each other as their best friend. So now she's basically telling the chief of staff to the president of the United States how a United States Supreme Court justice may be ruling on a case. And I will tell you, when I went down that road with Megan, I think I kind of won that argument. I think she, you know, it was the Megan Kelly show. It's, she's, she's got like 70 million listeners. I have 70,000, so I can't like, you know, compare myself. That's the number, right, Matt? Is it 70,000? Yeah, like, hovering just around that. Around 70, plus or minus, plus or minus. Um, you know, we don't really get the numbers here. We don't pay for the all, but it's, it's, it's somewhere in those that, that area. And um so that was interesting. And then talking about Hunter Biden, let me just tell you something that, that, I, that rubs me the wrong way about the Hunter Biden investigation. It's been going on too long. It started under the, in the Obama administration. It went on through the, from the Obama administration through the Trump administration, right? So you got four years through the Trump administration. And now in the new in President Biden's administration, Come on, folks, if, if, there's, if there's a crime there, which there may be, someone's got to have the guts to put the handcuffs on them. Or uh, if there's not, then just say that there is. You know, we all complained, myself included, about the, Russia inve- the Russian investigation with the special counsel with, with President Trump. Then it went on for too long. That was two years. This is like eight, seven, maybe. Is there tax fraud? Did he receive gifts that he should have paid uh, money on, that he should have paid taxes on, I should say? These are not the hardest thing to prove. We're not trying to figure out who killed Jimmy Hoffa. We're trying to figure out, and I guess if you watch the movie The Irishman, you'll find out. I'm not spending three hours doing that. But um, I don't know. that. It, it seems like there's stuff there that's... That's wrong. That that criminality is there. My opinion is, if this was a regular citizen, a typical citizen, not the son of the the former vice president and the current sitting president, and the feds wanted him in the Southern District of New York, Hunter Biden would definitely be indicted. But he's not in the Southern District of New York. He's in Delaware. That's the you know the, the Bidens love Delaware. The the, the Delawareans love Biden. So uh, apparently there is a grand jury that's open there. They are hearing evidence what the outcome of that grand jury presentation is going to be. Nobody knows. But, you know, it's time to either fish or cut bait with the Hunter Biden situation one way or the other. And finally, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about Will Smith. We're going to hear what the mayor had to say about Will Smith. Obviously, this is a story that's got legs. 
If you want to talk about the winning here, you know, Jim Carrey says it was him. He would have sued Will Smith for $200 million yesterday morning or Monday morning because of the humiliation that um, Chris, you know, suffered uh, at the hands of Will Smith. Do you know <laughs> Chris's numbers of the, the sales of his comedy show have gone through the roof? Just yesterday, uh, either Monday, I think it was Monday, he sold more tickets on Monday than he had sold the whole month before. And I'm not talking about like it read one venue. I'm talking about in the United States of America. And the costs on StubHub and all these things from a ticket went from 150 to 300 400 $500. Now, I don't think that money goes right into his pocket, but it just shows how in demand he is. And if I was advising him, if he called me and said, Art, what should I do? You know what I would say? Nothing. Just go do your show. You're coming off as the gentleman, the polished guy. You handle that smack and that humiliation. You know, when you go up in front of people, those the number one fear is public speaking. He was speaking before the whole slap in front of millions of people, and he did it so calmly after he got smacked in the face. So, Chris, you're the winner here. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Driving ambition for 40 years in the United States, Mitsubishi Motors sees the automotive industry differently. Mitsubishi challenges convention with innovative approaches in the way Mitsubishi engineers and builds their vehicles. Just look at the all-new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander, now in stock in all trim levels and all with the flexibility of third-row seating. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today. FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-277. Spring is here, and the real estate market is hot, hot, hot. AM970, The Answer, has all the answers about how to profit from the enormous opportunities available to both buyers and sellers in this amazing real estate market. Don't miss a one-time Spring 2022 special three-hour edition of Eye on Real Estate, hosted by the best in the business, the world-famous Dottie Herman, this Saturday morning between 9 a.m. and 12 noon. Dottie will be joined by a blue-ribbon panel of experts assembled to make you smarter about real estate in the tri-state area and hot spots across the nation. There hasn't been a real estate market like this in modern times. Don't miss out. Knowledge is power. Learn how to make your best possible deal, from mortgages to interest rates to finding the right agent, lawyer, and lawyer. Location, 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 best for you. The Eye on Real Estate Spring 2022 three-hour special, sponsored by Citizens Bank, this Saturday morning, 9 to noon, right here on AM 970, The Answer. I know you keep hearing how the Russian invasion of Ukraine has sent the markets into an uproar. The market is going down, gold's going up. That's exactly why you have gold as part of your investment strategy. If you don't, have I got the folks for you to contact. Precious metals have historically been a safe haven in times of geopolitical insecurity. Birch Gold is the leader in converting IRAs and 401ks into a tax-sheltered IRA backed by gold and silver. Now is the time to protect yourself. Invest in something with real value, gold and silver, from Birch Gold, like I've done. With thousands of satisfied customers and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, Birch Gold can help you protect your savings. All you have to do is text the keyword MIKE to 989898, and we'll send you a free info kit on gold. No obligation to get this information. Just text MIKE to 989898 so you can get your free info kit today, or you can go to MikeForGold.com, MikeForGold.com. Trust me, you'll be thankful you have gold in your retirement account, thanks to my friends at Birch Gold. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970, The Answer. 
right, so it's someone's birthday today. Luca, who's singing? Eric Clapton. Who? Say it again. Say it louder. Eric Clapton. And you know what song this is? Layla. Nice. It's actually from Derek and the Dominoes. You know who was in Derek and the Dominoes besides Eric Clapton? Dwayne Allman. Yeah! Luca! Nice. Swoosh! Because they were known as the... Uh, he, Eric Clapton was the greatest blues guitarist from England, and Dwayne Allman was the greatest from America. They put them together, and they formed Derek and the Dominoes, and uh, what a great album. Why does love have to be so sad? Um, before I give you some breaking news about Will Smith and what actually happened that night, um, I just want to throw a big thank you out to a man named Michael Harrison. Michael Harrison is the man behind the uh, talk radio magazine called Talkers, and uh, he did an article uh, yesterday about me, and I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I'll, apparently it's a big deal in this industry because I got so many messages from the, some of the giants uh, in the industry. Uh, they were like, you know, Idala, you don't even, you don't even have uh, three months under your belt, and you're on the cover of Talkers Magazine. And he did a whole podcast with me, and he was very, very nice, and it just was. Uh, such a uh, an honor to speak with him because he's been doing this for a long time and he is an excellent judge of talent and the fact that I he found me worthy to be on the cover of the the magazine and to do the podcast with me. Uh, I just want to thank all of you because obviously if no one was listening, I don't think they'd be doing this. So thank you for being so supportive and um, and thank you, Michael Harrison. So in the breaking news category regarding the whole Will Will Smith thing. Will Smith refused to leave the Oscars after slapping Chris Rock, the Academy says. I'm reading from the Daily News. This just came out. The Academy asked Will Smith to leave the Oscars ceremony on Sunday after he slapped Chris Rock on stage. But the movie star refused, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Scientists said Wednesday. The Academy said it would initiate disciplinary proceedings against Smith for the slap. Um, the Board of Governors is meeting, I think, met today to discuss the next steps after Smith walked on stage and slapped Rock, Smith won the Oscar, and Whoopi Goldberg, here we go, folks, Whoopi Goldberg, a member of the board, said Smith wouldn't have that Oscar taken away, but would face, quote, big consequences. Only Roman Polanski, Bill Cosby, and my client, Harvey Weinstein, have been expelled from the Academy before. However, Polanski and Weinstein kept their Oscars. Bill Cosby never won an Oscar, I actually, full disclosure, I have held uh, Harvey Weinstein, one of his Oscars. It is as heavy as all the people who win them say, wow, this thing is heavy. Yes, it, it is very, very heavy. Um, so is it true? Like, do you think this is really true? Like, did they really ask him to leave or are they just doing what my buddy Alex here in the studio says? They're just covering their butt and, and saying what they think people want uh, to hear. Because as Derek texted me, if they really wanted him to leave, right? So let's say it wasn't a star who did this. Let's say it was a uh, someone else. Let's say it was J Jada Pinkett Smith's husband was just a guy, right? He wasn't a famous guy. And he walked up there and he slapped Chris Rock. You think they're going to let him walk back to his seat? And if they did, what would they do? They would, uh, Glenn Weiss, who's the director, would they, they would instruct him cut to a commercial or just cut somewhere else where you can't see it. They were two guys who I'm sure they have some 
class A, like Ty Urio type of security, and they're going to send their guys out there, and they're going to grab them. They're gonna put, if they don't have handcuffs, they have those zip-tie things. Trust me, they have them on them, and they're going to escort them out of the building. So, you know, I don't know. All I know is that uh, Mayor Adams was on this morning, uh, Good Day New York, uh, really addressing this. Now, you know I'm a big Eric Adams fan, but, but uh, and I know he's got to answer the questions he's asked. And he did answer a lot of other questions. But regarding this particular topic where he spent some time, um, let's just go with the first cut right there, Matt. I believe, as he acknowledged, and I accept his apology, and it's up to Chris Rock. Yeah, okay, here's why I'm I'm not really grooving on his apology, okay? Because I know this, folks. I'm behind the scenes when these, these people get in trouble. I have represented some insanely high-end folks, okay, um, that are in international media. I, I just mentioned Harvey Weinstein. There are all these PR people and crisis management people, et cetera, et cetera, including the lawyers like myself who are there and crafting these apologies for them. Will Smith just won the Oscar for Best Actor. Take up your, open your phone, go to your how many millions of Instagram followers and make a video and of yourself speaking from the heart. The way he did up there at the Oscars. Just go up there and say, listen, I overreacted. I lost it. That was 100% inappropriate. Chris, I am sorry. You're a comedian. You made jokes. I was upset at your joke. I should have said something to, to you backstage and we should have handled it like two men and I acted like, like a real punk in the schoolyard and I, I hurt you. I heard, um, uh, who's the guy who won the award right after him? Uh, I think it was uh, Questlove, right? Questlove, who, yeah. who says he didn't see it because he was meditating at the time because he knew it was his category was coming up, so he was trying to stay calm. He must have felt the bad chakra in the I, air. Yeah, okay. He, I, I, Will Smith should apologize to everyone from CODA. The award-winning film is about people with severe disabilities. And, you know, Alex was uh, was upset yesterday talking to me about it. Saying, you know, for my community, this was a huge moment, and it was stolen away by Will Smith. So if you're going to follow what Eric Adams says and accept his apology, he's got to do it in front of a camera. He's got to do it sitting with, I don't care if he goes on The View or if he sits with Bill O'Reilly or John Katsimatidis or Joe Piscopo. But he's got to do it in, in real life, not have some PR people send out a memo. Let's um, let's hear what else he says, what, what the mayor said. Play cut to you know, Will Smith has been an amazing actor, humanitarian. He has been a real leader. Uh, I think he had a bad day. And, you know, I don't believe we should define his entire life. We all have bad days. Yeah, okay. I'm not saying we're going to define his entire life. But, Mr. Mayor, you know, you can have a bad day as the mayor in certain situations that if the exact same person has the bad day, they're allowed to freak out. But as the mayor, when you're entrusted with the keys to the city, you have to act a certain way. Well, when you're Will Smith and you have now achieved this this huge status and you're a multi-millionaire and you're about to win a huge award, you got to figure it out. And, and so, you know, I'm not saying that for the rest of his life, that's what everyone should be talking about with Will Smith. It will be for the rest of his life. Everyone is going to think about it. There's, that's, you know, <laughs> you could talk about Ali. You could talk about Mine and Block. You could talk about all his great movies. But that's it. I mean, he's, that is... uh tattooed on him that will be in his obituary a hundred years from now um and let's see what the academy does you know i said to megan kelly today i said well they should definitely ban him from coming back next year she goes they'll never do that they're already hurting for ratings 
And when you have guys like Jim Carrey, who is a Hollywood staple, saying, you know, we've lost our coolness because of giving uh, Will Smith a standing ovation right after he, he committed a crime, the crime of assault, which, you know, I think Chris Rock was smart not to press charges. I think he's smart not to talk about it. I think he should put that in his show. He should inter, uh, integrate the whole slap piece. My buddy Eric Hatsumemos, who saw Sebastian Maniscalco, he said he was side-splitting funny talking about things we're dealing with all the time, basically with the coronavirus and the masks and uh, taking these vitamins and all, I mean, and how we were all on this kick to do be hydrated all the time. And everyone was walking around, what a Yeti. Um, Chris Rock is a brilliant comedian. And he could, he, I mean, I hope he uses this, and he will. He will use this as fun. I think his first show is, it's either tonight or tomorrow night in Boston. And I wish I could be there. Um, but uh, I, I'm, I'm psyched for him. Real quick before we go, Alec Baldwin, 63, is having his seventh kid. Uh, speaking absolutely uh, sincerely, when Marianne, you know, told me she was pregnant and I was going to be 53, 10 years younger than Alec, you know, I was like, Felt a little guilty for my daughter. I didn't know it was a daughter. Now I now it's the and I'm I'm ecstatic about it. But you know I'm so lucky to be 54 and have almost an 84 year old father. Um, you know I just don't know how responsible it is. But people told me to shut up and you know let God do what God does. So he's 63. He's having his seventh kid. God bless him. Um, I will tell you. Um, I am on a mission with God's blessing to live 40 more years. I want to be at Ariana's 40th birthday. After that, let's see. So I'll be 93 at her 40th birthday. Poppy, my grandpa, he left us uh, at 90, one month short of his 92nd birthday. So if Poppy could do it, who was like smoking cigarettes where he would like rip the filter off and just smoke them raw back in the 20s and 30s and didn't have the health benefits that we have. Hopefully I could be there for Ariana's birth. And then Luca, how old will you be? You'll be 55. You'll be my age. You'll be older than me. So Luca, are you okay if I stick around till uh, till you're 55 years old? Yes. Alright, we're going to hang out. We're going to have some fun? Yes. Which car are you going to take? The Ferrari? The Alfa Romeo? The Porsche? Which one? The Alfa Romeo. All right, all right. I, we don't really have all those cars. We just make it. Well, we do have the Alfa Romeo. So, all right, folks. I hope you enjoyed the show. Hello to my friends down in Florida who I know are listening. And we'll be back tomorrow, Thursday. Have a good one. The preceding program sponsored by Freehold Mitsubishi. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 